Certainly the most anticipated numbers of the week, if not the month, maybe the quarter, I don't know. The inflation numbers came out on Thursday, and the Consumer Price Index, there was a little something there to please or maybe offend most everybody, but it looked they looked pretty good. And ultimately, the stock market, after going back and forth on them for about six hours, ultimately decided, I think they were pretty good. Maybe some inflation rate is slowing down. Interest rates came down a little bit. Rob Kaplan knows better. Robert S. Kaplan is the former CEO of the Dallas Fed, vice chair of Goldman Sachs, Harvard professor, currently the chairman, co-chairman of Draper Richard Kaplan Foundation. He joins us now. It's good to have you with us. Thanks, David. Good to be with so you. So I was reminded of, I guess it was the Harry Truman line who said, give me a one-armed economist, so somebody mm-hmm. who can't say on the other hand. Because looking at these numbers, there is another hand. I mean, inflation is still around. And it's upticking, yeah. but it's also not upticking at the rate that we thought it was going to be. Yeah. So goods inflation is decelerating, meaning it's 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 trending downward. Uh, service sector, uh, restaurants, airlines, anything that employs people and is heavily reliant on people is still sticky, uh, and that's what this CPI number showed. And all it means is the Fed needs to see a few more months, at least, of progress before they feel comfortable enough to maybe reduce the Fed funds rate. There are there are some people out there. They're always on the other hands, I guess. But John Kenneth Galbraith's son, uh, James Galbraith, who's down at University of Texas in business school, came out today saying, um, after the numbers came out, and said they can't take credit for this. The the inflation peaked in the summer of of 22, and uh, they need to cut interest rates right away because otherwise we're going to do some real harm to the economy. Yeah, and I've heard those that that view expressed. The fact of the matter is, part of the inflation that we've experienced the last couple of years is because of COVID, and the and the supply chain for goods got snarled up and had to get straightened out. So we produce more goods. But part of it was we spiked demand during 21 and 22 through monetary policy and fiscal policy. And we needed to see demand for goods and services cool off. The Fed's rate increases help with that cooling off in demand. So for those who think that this inflation was all about the supply chain, Yeah, they might say, gee, the Fed doesn't have a big role to play here, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's more than supply chains. It was excess demand that cooled, and monetary policy tightening is key to that. How active should the Fed be on an ongoing basis like this? I mean, I always thought the Fed acted, you know, when they needed to, when the economy was just in dire straits and they'd pump money into it or, you know, slow it down a little bit. But as as far as sort of an ongoing tuning and micromanaging, I mean, that's not the role of the Fed, is it? No. And and w- what happened, the Fed and I was there, uh, so I'm somewhat biased. We did our job in 2020 to help uh, counteract COVID. I think the criticism I'd have is the Fed stayed uh, aggressive for too long, all of 21 a good part of 22, it overdid it. Uh, It then had to do a a 180 and tighten uh, by raising rates and running off 
its bond purchases, and it risks now overdoing that. Uh, and so I think once this once we're through this period, I think the Fed would would be wise to be much more balanced. Don't overdo it to one extreme or another. And, and I think that for people at the Fed will be the lesson of this experience in the last two or three years. You think they'd actually like to just sort of go away for a little while? <laughs> I think it's like the referee in a ball game. Sometimes the less you hear about them, the better. <laughs> and let the economy operate. And, uh, and I think the footprint of the Fed w- would be helpful if there was a little less uh, uh, obsession with what the Fed's going to do and, you know, we let capitalism work. But when you have excess inflation or you've got a COVID crisis, you know, the yeah. Fed's got to step in. Absolutely. And, and, and I, that would certainly seem to be the role. So so let's broaden on that a little bit. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about many times that you've told me is that there's there's a whole lot of problems that are still pending out there. There's a lot of money that's got to get spent. We have these tremendous deficits that we're not doing anything about. We're in political season right now. I was really surprised during, a, uh, I guess it was a Republican debate the other night, to actually hear about doing something about Social Security and, and raising the age. Uh, people take Social Security. That's, that's touching entitlements. That's headed in the right direction, isn't it? Yes. And I hear rumblings uh, from Washington, particularly in the House of Representatives, that there's more discussion about proposing a deficit commission that's made up of Republicans, made up of Democrats, and really takes a holistic look at the budget, uh, at revenues, at spending. Um, I think the president would need to sign on to this for this to have a chance to occur. But, But I think we're at the stage where for most of our lives, the government just kept spending, 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 and never seemed to matter because we can always finance it. I think we're getting to the stage where uh, with debt over 100% of of gross domestic product, where some type of action would be welcome. And it's, it's so politically sensitive that I'm a believer that maybe you need a bipartisan commission And Congress can vote on its recommendations. But I think we're to the point where don't be surprised if you don't hear that proposed in the next six to 12 months. Uh, the bipartisan makes sense. That way everybody can get painted with the same brush if they want to do it. You can't, can't pick and choose. Let me ask you about another thing. The other hot topic is finally after about a decade in, in probably what is not going to be seen as Securities and Exchange Commission's finest moment. Uh, they approved uh, almost a dozen of these exchange-traded funds in Bitcoin so that the average yeah. individual doesn't have to shell out $45,000 but can participate in Bitcoin and its movements going up and down. So what, what, does the Fed, you guys must have talked about this. I mean, does the Fed yeah. see this as sort of like baseball trading cards or is this really a currency? Yeah, it's, it's, it's right now, in my opinion, Bitcoin – uh, is an alternative to gold. It's a store of value, but it's not been widely adopted in transacting for goods, services, because it's so volatile. You can't buy a loaf of bread with it. It's too volatile. I, I think from a Fed point of view, there I think they'd be happy to let the SEC handle the, you know, the securities elements of this. If it ever gets more widely adopted for transacting, 
So it really was an alternative currency. You would see the Fed get actively involved. You'd have a whole raft of scrutiny, more regulation. But, but so far, because it hasn't been widely adopted, that's not happened. This is different, by the way, from than a digital currency that's tied to the underlying a currency like the dollar. That's a different matter. But Bitcoin right now, uh, un, uh, or other alternatives to it that are unrelated to an underlying currency and are not widely used for commerce, you know, for transacting, I think the Fed will observe it, but won't do a lot more than that. So is it, as long as people can just either make or lose a little bit of money on, on their investments, I, I guess the Fed doesn't see this as, as a danger to the currency, to the economy. It's it's not, in my opinion, it's not the Fed's job. It's more of the SEC's job for investor protection. I think the Fed's job is to make sure that we've got stable inflation, uh, low unemployment, and they're going to be more focused on currencies and alternative currencies. So far, Bitcoin is not yet a viable alternative currency, yeah. and that's why it's not on their radar. I, I, I get the distinct impression the Securities Exchange Commission would like the Fed to take care of this and leave them alone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Probably I not know. an option. Be- so let, let, let me go back to where we started. So right now, based on what you see, if you were a voting man around the table, would you yeah. keep interest rates steady for a pretty good while? I mean, I think the, the dot plot goes out to maybe summer or something or other where we might see a movement, might see a drop in interest rates. Or is Galbraith right? Should we be dropping interest rates right away? I would want to see continued evidence for at least a couple of three more months that inflation was continued to trend downward. If I saw that, I would be uh, in the mode to drop the Fed funds rate. And my, my way of looking at it, if the Fed funds rate today is five and a quarter to five and a half, as the inflation rate continues to lower, I'm going to, I'm going to be willing to, I want to stay restrictive. In other words, I want a high real Fed funds rate, but I'm willing to lower the Fed funds rate as inflation goes down. So if, if right now we're at five and a quarter and the inflation rate is say three and a quarter, three and a half, and that's a 2% real Fed funds rate, I don't want the Fed funds rate real to go higher. And if inflation, if I was convinced it was heading toward two and three quarters, I'd be willing to be down four and a half, four and three quarters percent. So the Fed doesn't know the exact timing, nor should they. But I think they're on their front foot in wanting to stay restrictive. But that means they can lower the Fed funds rate as inflation continues to tread down. They just want to make sure it's, in fact, trending down. Well, let me ask you one last thing, because in, in your role at the Fed here, you had an ongoing dialogue with, obviously, all the bankers in your district and a lot yeah. more than that, but also a lot of corporate leaders, a lot of CEOs. And I'm, I, I assume that you still keep up with a lot of these people. Yes. What's the climate like right now? Are they are they borrowing? Are they spending money? Are they, they growth-oriented, or is it caution? Uh, if you're a... Uh, small business, you're very reliant on borrowing from a bank. And I would say you, 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 it's been challenging for you to get loans depending on the industry you're in. If you're a big company, you're, you tend to access the financial markets. And I think you're, uh, you're chugging along. I think about six or eight weeks ago, when there was a, a positive uh, uh, inflation report, 
and you saw people started to realize the Fed was done raising rates. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't know about when they're going to lower, but they're done raising rates. Everything I hear across business is activity picked up. And I would guess we're going to find in hindsight about six or eight weeks ago, activity across the system picked up, demand for bank lending picked up, uh, and and by and large, the, the economy picked up, not because people know how much the Fed's going to lower rates, but they can have some comfort that they're unlikely to raise rates. It's not going to get worse. And that, I think, has had a big psychological positive impact. And that's very good to hear, Rob Kaplan. Our guest today, it's always good to speak with you and get some insight on this. I, I understand it a lot better. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, David. Thanks a lot. For more of our conversation, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.